father's lightsaber. What? Lightsabers, precious? And welcome to What's Lightsabers Precious? The Lord of the Rings and Star Wars Encyclopodcast, where you waste time on fictional wikis. I'm Ryan. And I'm Joanna. I have no Lord of the Rings news for you. Dear None? listeners. None. No, I mean, there's still little bits and bobs about the show, but it's all just rumors. I think the Star Wars news is much what the same. What about this news? Ryan is holding up a copy of Malorn, the Journal of the Tolkien Society, which comes out twice a year. And I have just received issue 59 in the mail. What about this news? I have also received the latest Amon Hen, and that is issue 275. However, as I haven't had time to read them yet... Mm, oh, news. Oh, are you going to start? All right, well, let's Okay, go. news flash. <laughs> Tolkien's legacy is still inspiring. Well, they would say that, wouldn't they? <laughs> I mean, as an organization run by Tolkien's actual granddaughter, they would say that. Okay, new article. The Lovecraft Circle and the Inklings, the mythopoeic gift of H.P. Lovecraft. Could Lovecraft have been a mythopoeic society author? And could there be a connection between Lovecraft and Tolkien? I really can't think of any two authors that have less in common, apart from the fact their lifespans overlapped. But apart from that, I honestly... Don't think they have. But you know what? It's I I am interested in Lovecraft. I'm interested in Tolkien. I'll probably read this article. I'm prepared to have my mind changed. Joanna. What? They're looking for editor of Malorn right now. What? There are two vacancies on the Malorn team. Now, let me guess. Unpaid? Oh, absolutely. But, you know, what better person to help edit this lovely publication than someone who's a professional podcaster? Yeah, that's just, no, just stop it there. Who better than a professional podcaster to edit written work? Yeah. Uh, I, I did used to be an editor. That's probably the more relevant experience, but... Gotcha. Okay, well, until she reads that, no news is good news. My news, as far as Star Wars goes this week, there's been a lot of things revealed about Star Wars. Galaxy's Edge, which is the new Disney amusement park uh, operation of Star Wars, opening uh, in 2019, summer in, this year, this in California, summer. and then fall 2019 in Orlando, Florida. I didn't realize they were rolling it out in California first. They are, they are. Disneyland's getting it first. It sounds like it's going to have some pretty sick stuff. A few rides. It's going to be 14 acres, pretty big. Going to have its own themed hotel. Going to have a bunch of like cool little shops, like a one where this... Jedi lady will walk you through building your own lightsaber with like little like questionnaires and like t- personality tests kind of thing. Cool, man. It's like the Ollivanders part at Harry Potter World. Yeah. There's a droid depot where you can build a one foot tall remote control droid out of really? parts. Yeah. Costing how much? Oh, it's Disney prices. You know, you can imagine. So like a million dollars. Probably at least 1,000 credits. And what's the exchange rate on credits to dollars? It's like a hundred bucks. I don't know. Yeah. There's going to be like, you can get your Jedi robes on. You can get uh, your blue milk. Because it's going to be a cantina. Can you squeeze it directly from the booby? I think you have to be a cast member to do that. It's kind of so like only if Mark Hamill comes can he squeeze it directly from a booby. It's kind of like that secret restaurant at Disneyland where you have to be like part of the the inner circle to go to. It's going to be that, but it's, like, it's just a room with just that big old like uh, alien lizard dinosaur cow thing, and you just get to like walk up and drink right from See, its beautiful now, udder. I was thinking that Mark Hamill was just going to have like blanket right to milk any woman in disney well that too i mean he is kind of a big deal i mean when I he, mean, he already had that he wouldn't that's probably already the privilege they extended to him he's never had to use that power and i don't think he ever will because he's a good guy but anyway we're back with a regular episode today no random roulette 
of articles this week. We actually did some work this time. Uh, so, Joanna, what are you uh, teaching me today? Well, I'm going to teach you about Ents. Ents. Some 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 woody fellas. Woody. Some big, tall, woody fellas. Big, tall, woody fellas. Cool. Yeah, hey, before so... you start, can I do a joke? Go ahead. Lay it on me. What's uh, Ents' favorite Broadway musical? Ent. Yeah. And it's really slow. <laughs> yeah. It's like a week. It's like 525,600 minutes. Now, Ryan, to you, rent already feels like it's like six years long. It's a bunch of bunch of Ents in Fangorn Forest who refuse to pay their Ent. And <laughs> this is going to get too Oh, And also they all have AIDS. How does an ant get AIDS, pray tell? Well, that's what the musical's about. They, so they haven't, lot- now the ants, they, they have not gotten any strange in a long time. That's actually part of this story. So that's part of the story Part of the story of, is, of is, is that, uh, uh, <laughs> that they haven't had sex in a while. And also the one who wants to make a really boring documentary film about their cool lives. It's also really slow, just like the rest of the musical. The musical takes about a week to get through, um, because the ants obviously sing and move very slowly. Uh, and that's my joke. Let's continue. I like how that joke was like five minutes long. I kept building on it. I thought it was getting better and better, but I realized that horse is dead and I'm beating it up. So let's keep moving. All right. Well, you probably remember, or maybe you don't, a couple weeks ago that the initial inspiration for Tolkien's Ents came from an old English word meaning giant. Yes, giants. Yeah. So as Tolkien put it, quote, something really ought to be done about the old English word Ent meaning giant. Which makes it sound like he wanted to travel back in time and chastise the Anglo-Saxons for making a dumb word, but actually means he liked the word so much that he decided to use it in his stories. Okay, so it wasn't as, it wasn't as like, persnickety as we made it out to be. No, it sounds real aggressive. Something must be done about this word! <laughs> so, in Tolkien's universe, the word ent still describes a giant, but more specifically comes to describe a giant sentient tree. Uh, incidentally, there are other definitions of the word ent. Oh, really? Oh, well, at least Middle a, Earth? It, no, according to Urban Dictionary. Okay, so, well, hold uh, on, hold uh, on. Is this going to be appropriate for those under 13, Joanne? I know Urban Dictionary gets a little bit rude sometimes. I wouldn't call this rude. I would just call it stupid. So, according to Urban Dictionary, in 2010, people on Reddit started using ent to mean someone who smokes marijuana. Urban Dictionary user The Kyle writes under the entry for Ent, slang for somebody who smokes cannabis. Example, cats are definitely the best stoner animal an Ent could wish for. Hashtag pothead, hashtag stoner, hashtag toker, hashtag chronic, hashtag bud, hashtag weed. Smoking them trees. Now that is a joke that got better as it went. Good! Yeah, yeah, so, so thanks to the Kyle. Yeah, thanks to the Kyle. Uh, we're really gonna have to do an episode, by the way, on Tolkien's stoner fandom at some point, because it's pretty hilarious how much he hated them. Not a big fan, huh? Can you imagine him getting along with stoners? They'd be like, man, it's like anything can be God. Like, that window could be God. My hand could be God. And he would just be like, Absolutely disgusted. He, yeah, I can imagine him being quite fun at parties. Uh, well, he did not want to go to any of these particular parties, and he did not want to have any of these particular fans. Gotcha. But uh, well, we will discuss that in a minute. So those sentient trees are now most commonly associated with Lord of the Rings. It's important to note that Tolkien didn't invent them. Indeed, Tolkien himself was inspired by a plot point in Shakespeare's Macbeth. Oh, and the trees, the forest mm-hmm. moves. A prophecy states, Macbeth shall never vanquished be until great Burnham Wood to high Dunsinane Hill shall come against him. And later in the play, it does indeed appear that the trees come to attack Macbeth, but it's actually just a bunch of guys, like, holding branches and stuff. So, but what if it was a bunch of guys who were trees? Well, 
that was Tolkien's exact thought. He was bitterly disappointed by the fact that it was just a bunch of guys. And I'm sure Shakespeare intended it to be like a clever fulfillment of a seemingly fantastical prophecy. Sure, 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 yeah. But Tolkien was like, this is bullshit! Give me the trees! Yeah. He's very upset. Now, this isn't the only example of sentient trees, or at least the promise of sentient trees, predating Tolkien. Wikipedia has a very interesting article titled simply, quote, Talking Tree. Okay. <laughs> so let's look at some of the specimens mentioned in this article. Previous to Lord of the Rings. Previous to Lord of the Rings. In ancient Greece, the rustling of oak leaves was said to be the voice of Zeus. Ooh, okay. Cool, but what's the point of talking trees if you can't understand what they're saying? Well, if you translate them out, they have really deep thoughts. And There's no indication that anybody could translate what these trees were saying. Okay. This is just talking into the void. Learn to enunciate, Zeus. In another Greek tale, two philosophers are arguing under an elm. When the elm decides to weigh in on their philosophical debate, so presumably saying something like, Shut up! You're so annoying! You're not cool just because you read the Fountainhead! That's working people are trying to sleep, and you guys are just down here talking about, like, how the earth is made of bugs or whatever. Like, come on, man, get away from me. I like the fact that your elm tree is like Rudy who owns a pizza party. Hey, man, I gotta get out there tomorrow morning, gotta get them pizzas in the oven, and now you hear you baldies out here in your togas talking about how, like, we're all made of juice or whatever. Like, I can't even follow this conversation. I'm just a freaking tree. Come on, man. Hey, I'm sleeping here. If I were that elm tree, I wouldn't even chime in. I would just fall on them. Oh, that'd be good, yeah. Just kill them both. Just throw a bunch of acorns at them. Please kill philosophers. Okay, so, Marco Polo also is said to have visited a tree that spoke like a man during the day and like a woman at night. Well, he was kind of a, a BSer, though. Oh, no, yeah, no, he made up, I mean, we're pretty sure that he did go to China and see Kublai Khan, pretty sure, but, like, the rest of it is probably horseshit. Um, and also, I don't know if the two voices of the tree were supposed to be separate personalities or if the tree just had, like, amazing vocal range. It was like the Mariah Carey of trees. He's a natural male soprano. It's a natural... <laughs> that's a joke nobody's gonna get. Yes, maybe it was a natural male soprano. All right, this is my favorite. Are you okay, ready? yeah. So, in Ireland, a tree may help a person look for a leprechaun's gold. So, the great news is you can ask a magic tree where to find gold. But the bad news is it probably doesn't know. So it's not actually helpful in any way. No, not at all. It's not, which I think is more realistic, to be honest. Like, God knows if you're inventing magic talking trees, you need to keep it realistic. Like, a tree probably wouldn't know where a leprechaun hid gold. It would know a few things. What do you think a tree would know about? Sap. 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 Where that sap dripping? I She'd be like, oh, it's dripping down me right now. And if you're looking for sap and not leprechaun gold, I think a tree would be your guy. But if you're looking for gold, like, a tree doesn't use currency. It doesn't exchange money for goods and services. It doesn't even probably have a concept of gold. Like, what's gold? Uh, sap? That's gold. It's in me. Yeah, so there's magic trees, but they're not helpful. In English folklore, willows were said to stalk humans, and I would be very surprised if that wasn't on Tolkien's mind when he wrote about who warns an old man willow. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and, and possibly also when J.K. Rowling wrote about the Whomping Willow, or she just took that from Tolkien. That's <laughs> difficult to say. Difficult to say. Yeah, 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 difficult. Uh, this isn't predating Tolkien anymore, but the Talking Trees Wikipedia article helpfully informs you that, quote, the Shrek franchise has talking trees. I don't remember them having talking trees. You don't remember the famous talking tree scene? Do you? No. I remember Eddie Murphy. 
And donkey! I, I just remember Eddie Murphy and Shrek saying donkey like that. Ogres have layers. I got layers with like onions, donkey! I remember there was a joke about Lord Farquaad having a small penis. And his name also sounds like another bad word. Wait, what word? Farquaad? Fart? Does it sound like fart? We'll talk about it off air. Farquaad? Sounds like Farquaad, okay? What? Didn't you ever catch that? No! <laughs> oh Are you my serious? god! <laughs> not even occurred to me, Ryan. I don't have as much of a potty mouth as you do. Clearly. Just say it out loud a few times. It sounds like a bad thing. Okay, so how come you're allowed to come up with theories like that, but I'm not allowed to tell you that the Yoshi's and Yoshi's story were, were singing Eat Asshole? Because Shrek is an irreverent, sardonic series about sarcasm and, and ripping down fairy tale myths, and Yoshi's story is a kind story written by Japanese people about baby dinosaurs trying to collect fruit in a jungle island. What are we- what is this? Okay, we're not gonna- we're not gonna- <laughs> I'm not gonna keep this in. <laughs> Though, I will say, another game with a prominent tree. This is, this is, that's true. That's true. Um, also, a game with a prominent tree, Zelda. Great Deku tree. Great Deku tree. That's a talking tree, all right? You go inside him, you fight a spider. Yep. Also, Pocahontas. Grandma Willow. Also, the Rainforest Cafe. What was that? Tracy? Her name was Tracy Tree. And one time, when I was a kid, I timed it just right so that I was able to wedge a hat in her mouth right before she closed it, and then she was just sitting there with a hat in her mouth, which was silly. That's called a crime. You suffocated Tr- Tracy to death. She didn't look like she was suffocating. She still had that really insipid smile on her face. It was the funniest thing I'd ever seen at the time. And that's how you grew up to be a psycho killer. That's why I've been to prison so many times. That was my first stint on that's, the inside. That's why you think Ted Bunny's a hottie. I do think he's a hottie. I also have a stick and poke tattoo of Tracy Tree. So, with all of that as context, let's talk specifically about ants. Please, I'm so sick of talking about the Rainforest Cafe. All right, according to the Encyclopedia of Arda, ants are, quote, a race of giant tree-like people whose purpose was to protect the forests of Middle-earth. By the end of the Third Age, the Great Forest had dwindled, and so had the ants. But they were still to be found in Fangorn Forest. I see. So this kind of makes it seem like Habitat loss was the reason ants disappeared, right? That sounds about... Yeah, that's that's how it works in real life, it, right? It, it kind of was, but there was actually another reason. Um, the ants lost every single member of their species that was capable of bearing young. Oh, no that, no ant wives, right? No ant wives, right. So the mother ants were called ant wives and the baby ants were called entings and there were uh, none of either. No breeding females. No breeding females, yeah. No so, screaming females. Right, screaming. No, no, women be shopping. <laughs> Actually, in this case, it's women be farming. Oh, you're right. Growing babies from seeds. It is. Treebeard says that the entwives began to move farther and farther away from the ants because they were kind of control freaks. Not the ants, the entwives. So they liked to actually plant and cultivate agricultural vegetation, whereas the ants just liked to bum around in the forest and not mess with anything. Okay. The entwives were like, let's get something productive out of this. So the entwives moved across the river Anduin to an area called the Brownlands, which is like the most boringly named area possible. Which part? I mean, it's all brown to me. I don't know, but apparently, like, it, it was even browner than normal dirt brown. And the ants visited the entwives sometimes, which I guess was <laughs> conjugal visits or something. I have no idea. But otherwise, the entwives interacted primarily with men and taught them about farming. And they're like, I have a girlfriend, but she lives in the brown land. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, wouldn't what? know no. her. <laughs> she goes to a different high school. Also, she's a model. Yeah. <laughs> So, in terms of their looks, speaking of models, 
While the Ents looked like oak trees, rowans, etc., the Entwives apparently looked like agricultural plants, but maybe like big ones. Like big stalks of wheat? Like or a, corn? Well, they had hair the color of ripe grain. Okay, so kind of yellowy? Yes, they looked like big grains. It's kind of hard for me to envision that, but that's apparently what we're thinking of when I we think like of Entwives. Imagine like a bunch of stalk, like kind of stalky. Looking. Yeah, I guess. I guess that must have been what it, but like huge. Can you imagine seeing like a, a stalk of wheat like 50 feet high? That'd be very tall, and if it's the same like dimensions, it'd be like kind of a thick, that'd be a... <laughs> She's thick. She's thick, though. She's thick, though. <laughs> I just feel like if I saw a stalk of wheat that was the size of like a like a one of those giant radio antennas or something yeah. i feel like i would go instantly insane see here is the connection between tolkien and lovecraft tolkien too is describing horrors that the human mind is not designed to cope with like a 50 foot stalk of grain but are ends 50 feet tall i mean treebeard's like pretty tall he's not 50 though right he's like he's pretty tall he has those little hobbies in his arms they're like good what like Four and a half, five feet tall Let's see, each, how right? tall are ants? I'm just curious. Okay, so they're like 14 feet. Still 14 Super foot. 14 feet. So a 14 foot stalk of wheat? While you got- Shut up! While you got the mainframe open and, and you're hacking the cyberspace, is there any like art of an ant wife people have made up? Let's look. I didn't actually check. I'm just curious. Yes, there is. Okay, they're kind of like ladies. Like this one? Has boobs. I don't think that an ant wife would have boobs. They wouldn't need them. Why would they need boobs? They're not breastfeeding. That's an actual tree that looks like a lady. That's an actual tree that, that does indeed look like a lady. Again, boobs. Why do fantasy artists just what's put that, boobs that, on things that one? don't... This one? Yeah. It's kind of hard to tell, Um, but I, I think this might be slightly more reputable art. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can see. They don't exactly look like wheat. Yeah, just like a lot of boobs. And here's like... A hilarious comic. Oh, about women about be an nagging. Ant- about women be nagging about fantasy football. So, so, so the ant is holding a hobbit and he is saying, it is very sad, little hobbit. We do not know where the ant wives are or why they left. And then the ant wife is saying, we left because you wouldn't stop talking about your damn fantasy football league all the damn time. Women be like that, though. Women be like that. Men be like that. Men be playing fantasy football. Women be nagging. But anyway, yeah, so that's what we have in terms of what ant wives look that like. that one? Oh, there's kind of Which a, one? one without boobs, I thought. She got boobs? This one got a booty. Yeah, I've got a, ooh, a butt tree. Butt tree, butt tree. Yeah, so I don't know. There's a variety of interpretations, but the correct one is a giant stalk of wheat. Okay. So, at some point, Sauron decided to pull one of his characteristic dick moves and destroy the gardens of the Entwives. Why, I don't know. I'm not sure how this could have possibly furthered his aims. So, like, maybe he was trying to destroy a mannish food source, but he left a lot of other agricultural land intact, so it really seems like he was like, screw these farms in particular! But well, some some people just want to watch the world burn, you know? Or those fields particularly burn. Some people want to watch those specific Entwife fields burn. I mean, this pissed the Entwives off so much that they ran away. And they ran away so hard that the Ents were never able to find them again. Can't say I blame them. No. Now, in the Fellowship of the Ring, Samwise Gamgee mentions his cousin Hal once saw a giant that looked sort of like an elm tree in the north part of the Shire. Moreover, when Merry and Pippin tell Treebeard about the Shire, Treebeard responds that the Entwives would have been drawn to such a land. Okay. So then, did the lost Entwives, in fact, resettle in the Shire? Are they kind of like the Bigfoot of the Shire? Or Hobbits be like, I swear I saw a big creature in the woods. A big lady who looked like a stalk of wheat. I saw a giant tree with boobs. (laughs) 
No, Tolkien said they died. Oh. <laughs> so, so he cleared this up. He said, no, they did in fact die or became enslaved. So the Ents Aww. are in fact doomed to extinction. Sorry. That's sad. Thanks for clearing that up, Tolkien. He didn't need to do that. No, well, yeah, he does. There's a lot of things he doesn't need to do. And yet he does <laughs> I, yeah, I know. That's kind of him. Uh, anywho, in Lord of the Rings, there are six named Ents. So let's talk about them. The first, obviously, is Fanghorn, a.k.a. Treebeard. He's called Fangorn. Fangorn, yeah. Well, that's his elvish name. Ah, okay. So um, every single one of the, not every single one, most of these will have an elvish name, and then they'll have the common speech interpretation of the elvish gotcha. name. So you got tree beard, you got tree mustache, you got tree sideburns, <laughs> you got tree goatee. I wish I tree, tree soul patch. <laughs> tree five o'clock shadow. <laughs> tree mutton chops. Tree mutton chops. Tree lady mustache. Oh, yeah. Tree peach fuzz. Tree peach fuzz. These young whippersnapper. Actually, there are no young whippersnappers because there's no babies being born. But anyway. And tree clean shaven. Now, tree beard, alongside his companions skin bark and leaf lock, he Whoa. was one of the Ents who appeared in Middle Earth way back in the first age. And this made him one of the oldest creatures in all of Middle Earth. He's that old, huh? He's really old. I had no idea. Because of Treebeard's prominence, the uh, Forest of Fangorn was named after him, being the last domain of the Ents ah. after their territory was reduced over the ages. That's why he lives in a forest named his name. He lived long enough to become the... Change he wanted to see in the world. <laughs> the hero? Is that how that one goes? No, no, it's like you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become a forest that's named after you. Okay, yeah, that's yeah, right. That's how it goes. Now, the second one is Finglas, or Leaflock. By the events of The Lord of the Rings, Leaflock was a drowsy old boy who slept all summer in a meadow. And initially he woke up and did stuff in the winter, but then even that became too much trouble. So is he like the goofus of the Ents? He's just a guy who slept all the time. Is there a, I mean, I treat words like the gallant and like... There is a goofus. Oh, there's we'll a goofus. Goof- okay, but it's not, not this guy. I thought Leaflock is pretty dang goofy. No, Leaflock was just hairy. Oh. Like, mean, with like moss, maybe? No, I think like leaves. I don't know. It just says he was hairy. But Lee, she's, she's, don't. That's like the equivalent of hair. He's just a hairy guy who slept all day in a field. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, okay. Just like your uncle. Now, next is Fladriv or Skinbark. Skinbark. He lived on the mountain slopes west of Isengard, and when Saruman's boys came around cutting down trees for their forges and or weird Uruk nurseries, Skinbark got wounded. This hurt his feelings so much that he retreated up into the mountains and never came down again. So you might be noticing that apart from Fanghorn, it's not exactly like a dream team here. They don't really have much unity going on, do they? They don't really have a lot of like bonding. Fighting power. Fighting well, power. that takes Isengard to, to draw them all together and get them like yeah, fired up yeah. enough. But uh, next is Beachbone. Beachbone? Beachbone was an Ent who was burned by Saruman's devices, and it's heavily implied that he died. Did he like surfing at the beach? Beachbone? Yeah, he did. Oh, it's, he beach like, it. it's beach like the tree. I know. I'm just he, loved it. he loved it, Ryan. He loved it. Uh, so he died, though. So we should stop joking about him, because a tree is dead. Rip. Rip. Rest F. in power, Beachbone. So it's possible he was just injured, but either way, it really pissed off the rest of the Ents. That is a plot point. Yeah, Beachbone. Next, now, now this is the goofus of oh, the squad. Oh, goofier than Leaflock. I can't wait this for this is, guy. This is the poochie of the squad. Oh, he's going to be cool as heck. So his name is Bregalad or Quickbeam. Quickbeam. Oh, man. Bregalad was pretty young, at least compared to Treebeard, Leaflock, and Skinbark. He was middle-aged, which was about as young as an ant could be, considering how long the species had gone without any offspring. Bregalad was partial to rowan trees and looked like one himself. And in fact, the word quickbeam is an English dialect word for the mountain ash or rowan tree. Oh, really? That's cool. Yes. But it also fit Bregalad's as quickbeam because he was very hasty. For an ant, right? Well, he received his name when he said yes before another ant had finished asking a question. The other ant was like... 
dude, you want another brew? Yes! Yes! <sighs> what a quick beam. And knock, knock. Who's there? Interrupting quick beam. Interrupting Who? Whoa. Yeah. That was so meta. Thanks. Actually, it wasn't meta at all. I'm not sure why I described it as yeah, meta. Yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't think of another word to describe it, but... I'm, I'm a pretty, like, quick-witted, quick-beamed comedian here, so, like, thanks for letting me play in the space. Of course. At the Ant Moot, Bregalad lived up to his reputation for hastiness and was the first one to be like, Saruman sucks, let's kill him! He's a good guy, then. Um, and he said this because Saruman's orcs had killed many Rowan trees, to which, as I said, he was partial. He loves them Rowans. Treebeard wanted Bregalad to simmer down, so he sent him to take care of Merry and Pippin while the debate among the other Ents continued for several more days. Hey, which one of us is, like, full of the most murderous intent? <laughs> Let's send him to take care of these small, defenseless creatures. Well, maybe he figured, like, these little guys are very fast, and you're a little quicker than me, quick beam, so if they scurry about, you can scoop them up. It was just so they could get his psychopathic oh, okay. <laughs> basically. <laughs> All right. Later, during the attack on Isengard, though, Bregolad nearly captured Saruman himself. Dude. I just thought of something. Guess who Bregolad's favorite comedian was? I don't know. Who? Rowan Atkinson. Oh, good. Yeah, he loved Mr. Bean. Mr. I bet he did. That one That's episode they- where Mr. Bean has to sit on top of the car and, like, seal with a with a pole. Oh, my God. It kills him every time. He had a dream of having his own show called Mr. Quick Bean. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he did. Yeah. Yeah, he did. And then Saruman took that away from him. Ah, oh, boo. I know. Now, last is Fimbrithil. This was Treebeard's long-lost wife. Whoa, okay. She was also known as Wandlim the Lightfooted. That's a beautiful name. I know. Treebeard and Fimbrithil fell in love even before Morgoth rose to power, a.k.a. a frickin' long time ago. Sadly, like all the other Entwives, Fimbrithil had been missing since Sauron's forces destroyed the gardens of the Entwives during the Second Age. Aww. At the time of the War of the Ring, Treebeard had not seen Fimbrithil for over 3,000 years. And she was a total babe, too. Stalks for days. Stalks for days. And boobs. <laughs> now, I also want to talk about the language of the Ents, Entish. Yeah. There were actually two forms of Entish. Old Entish and New Entish, both of which were extremely long-winded, although Old Entish was more so. There's that scene in the movie version of The Two Towers, where Merry and Pippin have been waiting around for hours while the Ents hold their Entmoot, and during a break in the conversation, Merry asks if they've reached a destination, and Treebeard responds that they've only just finished saying good morning. Right. In fact, even when the Ents spoke Westron, they tended to kind of ramble. The only example we have of Old Entish is Ah la 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 rumba commanda lindor burume, which is part, just part, mind you, of the name of a particular hill. But you have to also say it really slowly, though, right? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. I'm Quick Bean. All right. Wait. Whoa. Simmer down, Quick Bean. Yeah. For an example of new Entish, we have Taralilomea Tumbalemoma Tumbale Torea Lomeanor. This can be translated as There is a shadow of the great darkness in the deep dales of the forest, or more literally as Forest Many Shadow, Deep Valley Black, Deep Valley Forested, Gloomy Land. Now that's actually like a whole thought. That is. It's a whole thought, but you notice it's quite repetitive. It is quite repetitive, but it's also like, you know, short. Yeah. 
In comparison. Well, kind of. Uh, uh, I mean, yeah, that's that's uh, that's new Entish. It is yeah. a little bit briefer. Now, while even the greatest elven linguist could not learn old Entish, it was conceivable that a non-Ent could learn new Entish. But it doesn't look like anyone ever bothered. Not many conversation partners left. Like, why wouldn't you just switch to another language it, where it doesn't take five hours? I mean, it's something? literally going to become a dead language. When all these Ents I mean, Tolkien confirmed right? this. Yeah. So. They are destined for death. By contrast, though, Ents did learn Quenya which they considered oh. an extremely beautiful language. As we know, in The Lord of the Rings, the Ents have their day of glory when they attack and destroy Saruman's fortress of Isengard. Yeah, that's so cool. Yes. Now, once Aragorn becomes king, he tries paying honor to the Ents and telling them that they could spread out to new lands and renew their search for the Entwives. Treebeard, however, is a crushingly realistic guy and tells Aragorn that it's fine, they all know they're going to die, it's whatever at this point. Aw, it's yeah. sad. The Ents do live on in a way, though. Oh, okay. Through the many fantasy and science fiction properties that take cues from Tolkien's work. Sure. For example, World of Warcraft has treants, which are literally Ents. D&D has those, too. Yep. Uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy has Groot, who is oh, about as Entish yeah. as they come, except instead of being long-winded, he's, I guess, pretty brief. He's one-winded, but... He's one-winded. He's single-winded. <laughs> yeah. Only one wind coming from that guy. Wikipedia also notes that there are multiple Ent-like Pokemon, such as Executor and Pseudo Wudo. Yeah, the uh, Trevenant is one. Yes, uh, there's all kinds of talking uh, tree tree Pokemon. Um, yeah. Though there are multiple anything like Pokemon at this point, I would argue. Like, That's there's true. a goddamn Windchime Pokemon for crap's sake. There's like, a Ring of Keys Pokemon. There's a Ring of Keys Pokemon. Like once you have that, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. You have like so. That's what I have for you about Ents. That's great. Oh, but, you know, I, I invited a special guest to play us out. Okay, sure. Uh, his, his name is Carly. You might remember him from an earlier episode. Hmm, he sounds familiar. Sometimes people take for granted about the best things ever planted. But they should be enchanted, should appreciate their trees. Trees are terrific and also doomed. Wow. So this is kind of a, a, a spiritual sequel to our tree extravaganza. It is in a way, except these trees talk. Well, thanks, Carly, for that. Carly the Cardinal. Uh, okay. <laughs> I, I thought he was done. No, he does. He, he gets on this jam for a while. I mean, it's catchy. It's cute. He learned one song, which is pretty good for a cardinal. Carly. And he is riding this. Carly, I got to move on to my section, buddy. Ha ha. Okay, uh, okay, I'm done. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Carly. So you mentioned that many sci-fi properties have taken on the idea of, like, talking trees and stuff. Yeah. And it's become truly a kind of a standby in sci-fi literature and, and stories of plants that are alive and can think and talk and stuff. Sure, right? sure, sentient ones, yeah. Yeah, and Star Wars, as we know, is a galaxy way full of standbys, and so... There are many examples of sentient trees and plants in the Star Wars universe. Are there? And so I have a few examples here. It's kind of my beautiful herbiary, which I will share with Ooh, you. All right. Now, some of these you talked about already. I'll start with one we maybe remember from our most Isley Madness episode, the Baphor trees. Yeah, I do remember something about the Baphor trees. Now, this was related to Moma Nadon, the ever-loving blue-eyed hammerhead. Yeah, yeah, of yeah. Of Isley Cantina, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And he was exiled from his planet for giving away the secrets of the trees of his world to the Imperials. 
And these are those trees, right? Yeah, the Empire was like, listen, tell us about the flora of your planet, because you're like the high priest of uh, gardening or whatever. I'm like Igor. a gun to his head. Tell us about the plants! Tell us about the plants! If you don't tell us about the plants, we're going to kill the entire rainforest of Baffor trees. And that'd be important, because the Baffor trees, if you remember, the more of them group together, the more sentient they become. Right. Right? They're these crystalline plants. They have blue glassy bark and black leaves. And at nighttime, they glow in the dark. So that's pretty neat. They're unintelligent on their own, but in groups, they gained a certain intelligence. And so seven Baffor trees put together could achieve a fully sentient collective consciousness. Was it a sensual intelligence? No. Okay. (laughs) Now, a whole Baffor forest, on the other hand, was a huge hive mind. Ithorians, like Moma Nadon, consider that to be the most wise being in existence. They had this, like, collective consciousness. Sure. Right? But, uh, I mean, by that token, wouldn't ants also be, like, one of the most intelligent species? No, Baffor uh, trees are, like, special. We're well, into this. They actually have, like, philosophy and stuff. What? I told you they're sentient. Are ants sentient? As a group, maybe. No, they're not. Baffor Forest promoted an ethic called the Law of Life, which, according to the trees, only non-sentient plants should be harvested, and even then, if they were... Two plants should be planted for every one that was destroyed in the harvest. Oh, sure. So you remember Moma Nadon, after the Imperial officer that threatened his planet died, he made a clone of him as part of the law of life so that he'd replace his life with a new one. Yeah. Right? Same thing. Baffor Forest ruled benevolently over all of the rest of the forest organisms, including flora like the Indiup tree, the Donar flower, the bull fern, and fauna like the Mandulium bird, the shamrock flitter, and the Arax snake. Oh! They governed the forest. They governed snakes? Yeah! You can't govern snakes. I have a snake. It is ungovernable. You get enough Baffor trees together, they can govern anything, baby. It bites fingers and tries to eat plastic bags. Or maybe only a tree could could rein it in. I think that's a dumb enough creature that a tree could boss it around. So (laughs) I think it's fine. So Baffor trees, that's one to start with, right? Another one we've mentioned in passing, I don't think you remember this one, I I barely remember talking about it either, are the Kindalo. I talked about them a smidge when we were talking about C-3PO's side adventures during the Clone Wars. Yeah. Probably the closest thing that we have to an Ent in the Star Wars universe. So, like, they are literally... Like, walking, talking trees. Oh. Okay? Yeah, sounds like an Ent. So, Kindalo were tall, tree-like species who dwelled in the underworld of the Midrim planet of Aline, which is also, we mentioned this in our pod racing episode, Rats Tyrell's homeworld. Yes. Yes. So rats off to you. Rats off to you. Little screaming boy Aline. from the cave. Yep. Aline. <laughs> The Kindalo were phosphorescent beings who guarded the passages leading to the surface of Aline, knowing that the surface air was toxic to those who dwelt below the surface. They used their lower outgrowths as legs, in the same fashion as their semi-sentient cousins, the Fithisithith. The Fithisithith. Remember them? How could I forget the Fithisithith? The Fithisithith. It's, alright, it's F-F-T-S-S-F-F-T. Fithisithith. These are also known as the Dandelion Warriors. Oh, that's what it's just called Dandelion Warriors. Remember those from our Endor episode? Yes, no, yes. You weren't there for that. Dandelion Warriors are a species of, like, man-sized dandelions that shoot needles at people. <laughs> it's pretty dope. Can what? I ask you a question? Yeah. So these Kindalo were guarding the exits to the cave so nobody went up and got poisoned? Were they literally keeping everybody down there? So the deal is that, like, the Aline lived on the surface where they could breathe the air. Anything that lived below the surface of Aline, that air is toxic to them. So the trees, but the trees, so the trees they're were... trying to keep the air from coming down. They're trying to keep the, everything that lives underground. Are they just like from... absorbing it all and photosynthesizing it? Yeah, so kind can't... of. Yeah, yeah. They're trying to protect oh, it. Oh, wow. What a noble sacrifice. That's nice, right? I thought they were literally just like, can't come out here. No. no. Go back in your cave. No, they're trying to keep the upper and the lower separated to keep everything above alive. Because the, um, the gas below. called apartheid. Well, the gas below the surface is also toxic to the Alina above the surface. So you got to be careful. Really? Yeah. Why is it so different down in a cave? Which gas know, is down there? I don't know. Is it's it all the 
farts. It's probably Aline farts. Here's a picture of a Kindle. You can see they're very ant-like. Yeah, but they look like kind of more badass. They're kind of cool. They got they're black and they have these. They look kind like of, they're wearing like devil armor. They have like white uh, lines on them to represent like the bark and stuff. Clone Wars people didn't really like the art style of Clone Wars, but I think that's some really neat character designs. As far as like the the one off characters and aliens and stuff, they did a good job making them look unique and cool. It looks like that demon from Night on Bald Mountain in Fantasia, but if that demon was wearing those like strappy Jinko pants that had like straps hanging down behind, yeah, you know it? It, it's 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 goth Groot basically. Yeah, it is. It is. It looks like it has a rib cage. Yeah, go- it's Groot. If you listen to ICP around twenty one ABY, an ancient seal that blocked a hole leading to the underground was accidentally removed by. Probably a fracking company. Am probably? I right? Am I right? They right? probably fracked fracking. it. Frack you guys. And so without this seal in place, air from the surface went below. Poisonous air from the below went above. So everybody died. Did the whole planet die? It causes massive problems. So several Kindalo died because of it. And in retaliation, they caused ground quakes in hopes that it would, sh- it would kind of jostle the seal back into place. Oh, that's not retaliation. That's just trying to fix the problem. I was like, who are they mad at? Plate tectonics? But due to multiple tremors, many Alina lost their lives, too. And they probably all sounded like this. Man, they sound horrified. Tragic stuff. So the Galactic Republic sent a mission there led by C-3PO and R2-D2, kind of like negotiators between the two groups, the Alina and the Kindalo. And since they were immune to any kind of like poisonous gas, they could go both above and below. Okay. So they did. They made peace with both groups. They put the seal back into place. Everything's hunky-dory on Alina after that. Forever. As far as we know. They haven't covered it again in any of the new movies. Maybe it's completely a, you know, a full-on Kindle-O-Aline war now. It depends I'm, on if they kept their fracking operations going. I'm just saying, I wouldn't want to mess with underground goth groups who can make earthquakes happen. I don't think I'd want to, like, bug them. Behind the scenes, the Clone Wars animators were told to think of an old man when animating the Kindle-O. Okay. Don't make the move like an old man. Just think of think of an old man. <laughs> don't make them actually like an old man. Just be thinking about it. Just have an old man on your mind. Any old man will work. Don't get that old... Don't put that old man into the character design at all. I just want to know that you were thinking of an old man when you drew this. Do you feel like that came through? When they move, they move like old guys. They're kind of like creaky and like... Kind of like an ent. Okay, so it did come out. Yeah, yeah Sort of. Yeah, I'm just teasing about... You know, it's a little humor here. Talking about like, hey, think of an old man. Like you're a pervert or something. It's funny. <laughs> I don't think Thinking about an old man is inherently perverted. Maybe the way you're thinking about him. <sighs> now, the next one I think is pretty interesting. They're kind of a creature to Star Wars. They're called the Revwians. The Revwians. They look like this. Tell us what you're looking at. Wow. There's a lot to take in. Okay, so its head is a mushroom. Yep. Um, Its body is like either a yellow pepper or a summer squash. Yep, yep. And it has multiple arms and multiple legs, all of which are strips of bacon. Yeah. And it is sitting in a cafe... Having a drink. That is right. That is what you're looking at. So the Revuians were sentient plant-like species native to the planet Revia. Their bodies were cylindrical, as she noted, kind of like a squash, mounted atop several strong prehensile leaves. These are not just... They look like bacon to me. They can move. They allow them for locomotion and manipulation of objects. It, like, they don't look like we... And I, I'm not saying this is somebody who's like, oh, bacon. Everything to me is bacon. Epic for Wouldn't the win. Wouldn't it be great bacon. if there was just bacon and everything? I'm a vegetarian. I don't give a shit about bacon. But it looks like bacon. And that mushroom on top is actually their seed case. 
Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. So its head is a seed case. Yep. Reverians were peaceful beings who valued honor. They were often unfalteringly honest, even when faced with situations in which bending the truth would produce tangible benefits. Reverians tried to negotiate their way out of conflicts and took an extremely long-term view of issues, as reflected in their popular saying, in time, things will work out as intended. That's very nice. That's a very nice way to think. Um, they're very optimistic. Reverian society was generally organized into small self-governing communities that lived in groves in the wilds of their homeworld, Revia, in idyllic harmony. So very much like small government. Yeah. This peace was disturbed on occasion by herds of herbivorous creatures that preyed on them. No! <laughs> so like a bunch of cows come in, like, oh, no! The ultimate apex predator! <laughs> in order to ward off these threats, some communities domesticated carnivorous animals, such as a large wolf-like herpine. <gasps> so they were plants that would domesticate, like, wolves to fight off... Like, cows. Oh my goodness. That's pretty cool, That's I think. That's so novel. That's a fun idea. That's I don't know. That's a fun idea. I like that idea. Yeah. They have, like, these, these bacon-armed pe- bell peppers that have uh, pet wolves. Yeah. The technology usually centered around plants and, and agriculture. They used plants as adhesives, healing cells, generating light, all kinds of crazy stuff. They didn't really like using, like, actual, like, metal and, and electricity and stuff. They try to make everything plant-based if possible. They're also best known for their philosophy called Taya, which meant breathe in their language. Oh, so it's like yoga. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's like yoga. It's Thai, yeah. Also like white, white thai, people yeah. yoga mostly. So but. Revuians would practice this. It taught that individuals should seek personal harmony in their Taiya, which would allow numerous Taiya to form a Thuwistin. Okay, uh, you had me up until, oh, actually you didn't have me at all. Now a Thuwistin is a bond circle formed through the joining of spirits. The Thuwistin would then be complete in utter harmony. Due to the central precept, followers of the Taiya philosophy were called Thuwistins. Okay. The Taiya philosophy also emphasized peace and respect for all life. Many Thuistans, therefore, went on to become Force-sensitive, even wielding lightsabers and things like that. What? These, can you imagine if you saw one of those? Like, you guys can't see it, but, like, the idea of it wielding a lightsaber is patently absurd. There's a really cool picture on the Wookiee article about Revuians of a Revuian using the Force to throw, throw an Ewok. Whoa. It's pretty cool. Using, like, I, a plant. I have a question. Yeah. When they all, like, soul-bonded or whatever? Yeah. Was that, like, making out? Yeah. It was, like, making out? Yeah, it's fine. It was like making out. It's like making out. Okay. It's like making out. Just wanted to clarify. I don't want to make it dirty, but You're making soul making soul bonding on the astral plane is not something I can understand, but making out. Hey, <laughs> hey, I've done that. Okay. At, at least once. Humble brag much? If not twice. Gosh. Upwards of Show two off times. over here. Behind the scenes, now, the sketch I showed you is actually one of the original sketches for the cantina. So they there's going to be one at a cantina. But there's of course, no way they could have made that costume. I know, it's incredibly complicated, way too, way beyond their 1977 technology or even their budget. And so it later got written in to the extended universe through books and the RPG game. And there's even a, a version of it that showed up in the Clone Wars. So oh. it's become a canon creature. Okay. Yeah. Now let's get a kind of a weird one here. Oh, because the bacon pepper wasn't weird. These are Zelosians. Uh, Zelosians were sentient plants native to the planet Zelos II. Now let me show you a picture of a Zelosian and tell me what you see. It's a pair of them. What? Zelosians. Am I looking at? Well, okay, they're, so they're, they're, sentient they're, they're human beings. No, um, they're sentient plants. No, they are human beings. And one appears to be a man in just some trunks and sandals. And then the other appears to be a woman wearing a very skimpy bikini and like a little belly chain. And they are doing the pose that Leo and Kate Winslet do on the front of the Titanic. Yeah. So I don't know what that's about. 
So she I'll- also is up on her tiptoes for no reason, uh, like she's a Rob Liefeld character. <laughs> <laughs> Good observation. I didn't even notice that. Yeah. Part. So outwardly, the Zelosians were nearly identical to humans in height, build, hair, and skin pigmentation, and sexiness. Yeah, they only wore undies, as this picture tells us. Because of this, Zelosians could keep their origins a closely guarded secret and were commonly misidentified as near humans by outsiders. So they're like, they look exactly like humans. They can grow hair. They got like the same skin color. They're not green or anything. They can tiptoe around in their undies. They can tiptoe around their undies. chain. They were not able to interbreed with any human race, obviously, or near human race. Because they're plants. Also, who would want to? They look corny. <laughs> they look corny as heck. Not literally corn, though, because they're not that kind of plant. <laughs> <laughs> their blood was green, chlorophyllic sap, so you'd think their skin would take on a greenish tone, right? Yeah, yeah, it didn't? No, it was the same pigmentation as a human. But how? Additionally, a large portion of the muscles Elosians had were cellulose fibers. Does that mean they didn't have to work out? Guess not. So they're just, like, very hot. See, here's where I would know something was up. They are ripped as hell, but they never appear to work out. True enough. And also, they can eat whatever they want. They can consume vegetable and animal product-based foods, but can still do photosynthesis as well. Wouldn't somebody cotton on to them, like, stripping down naked and basking in the sun? You'd probably think, right? Arms arms held out, stretch, head thrown back in ecstasy, yeah. belly chain a-fluttering. I'm king of the world! So, all Zelosians possessed emerald green eyes. That's their tell. I mean, like, sometimes humans also. (laughs) They're also night blind, being unable to see whatsoever in light dimmer than that provided by a full moon. Yeah, humans also aren't great at that. So they mostly stayed inside during the night, if possible, after sunset. And they held many superstitions about the night, although their suspicions about zombies proved to be somewhat true, being actually caused by corpses reanimated by parasitic worms known as jumpers. Wait, wasn't that in, like, Galaxy of Fear? No, that was that was zombies, but for a different this reason. This is similar. The jumpers only affect plant matter. Pretty creepy. Alcohol had no intoxicating effect on Zelosians. They, they that can, would be the other thing that would give them away. They can drink you under the table, right? However, refined sugar had a comparable one. A tablespoon would have affected Zelosians as much as four ounces of strong liquor might a human. As an American, I can definitely attest to the fact that refined sugar is intoxicating. Yes. Like four ounces of strong liquor to me, a human. Like like any of my, my countrymen, I subsist on at least 47% refined sugar. And it is just... Fun. Fun. All the time. And it's just a good time. You love to see it. You love to see you it. You love to see it. At least one Sith Lord was known to be a Zelosian. Really? Darth Riven. Not to be confused with Riven from Knights of the Old Republic. Yeah. It's Riven. He was a Zelosian, apparently. Okay. All right. Now I got one more tree species for you. It's it's my favorite kind of Wikipedia article. We've kind of talked about these a little bit in the past. It's an unidentified talking tree species. Oh my god, I love anything that starts with unidentified is really funny. For those of those not in the know who don't spend hours on Wikipedia like I do, there's a huge chunk of articles that are called unidentified blank. And it's usually like one guy in the background or like a person that shows up for a second in the movies. Well, we talked about this when we talked about unidentified Rodian wearing a jacket. Unidentified Rodian wearing a jacket is one of our favorites. Unidentified Goldskin Man is a classic. But this is unidentified talking tree species. I'm going to read you the description and there's a picture of this creature. Oh, good. Of Let's it. see if maybe we can identify him. Let's, I want you to get a mental... Maybe it's like when they show pictures of missing children on Unsolved Mysteries. Get a mental picture first, though, while I read this to you, okay? Okay. A species of animate trees on Endor, which exhibited both sentience and the ability to speak. Like ordinary trees, the beans rooted themselves to the ground and spread their leaf-bearing branches upward, making them tower over two meters in height. Ooh. Unlike mundane trees, however, the talking variety are able to use their branches as fine manipulators, grasping and using tools, for instance. Members of the species had two large teardrop-shaped eyes and a large mouth on one side of the trunk. A long red tongue lay inside the mouth, facilitating the facility of speech. Lids covered the eyes, blinking intermittently. 
The eyes of at least some of the trees were brown in color, as was their bark. Their leaves were green. Eyes and mouth closed, a member of the species easily passed for an ordinary tree. Got a good mental picture here? I'm basically picturing Tracy Tree. Okay, well, here, here, here is this. <laughs> good description, huh? <laughs> it's a tree. It's just like a Disney cartoon drawing of a tree with like preposterously large eyes and a little mouth, and those are, that's all the details. It it's not like what is that red tongue thing? Like that's not in there. Like what is going? And it's from the Ewoks cartoon. In case you haven't guessed, it's from that the ep- is so detailed. How do they get all those details from that? It's from the episode Party Ewok. Party. <laughs> So this is a tree. Princess Nisa is having a party for a, a coming delegate of Prince Delby. He's a, an Ewok delegate. Okay. And so Wicket decides to help her get the party ready by passing out flyers for it. <laughs> just by passing out. By passing out. <laughs> he just gets wrecked and falls asleep in the middle of the floor. And so Warwick affixed one announcement uh, to the face of a talking tree who lived in the vicinity of Bright Tree Village. With eyes and mouth closed, it looked just like a mundane tree. The talking tree stirred, removed the poster, and responded favorably to the invitation to the party. <laughs> Did you call him Warwick instead of Wicket? Oh, his last name is Warwick, right? Oh, yeah, it is! I forgot about that! Wikipedia has this thing where it always goes at the last name when it talks about a character, which, you know, a lot of things do. Well, he's do. like a little baby kid! Wicket W. Warwick. Wicket Wistry Warwick. It's like if people were calling you Meccano when you were, like, five. Now, I was able to find the clip where the unidentified talking tree species shows up. So oh, yeah? He's a really instrumental character in this, and you're gonna see... I absolutely cannot identify him so far. Well, let's see if you can identify him from this video. Boring! Now, people heard things. The party's tonight! By the time we're through with these posters, everyone on Andor will know about the party. Right, Baga? That's what they sound like in the cartoon? There. Okay, those little woodchuck guys are definitely going to the party. Yep. That's our unidentified talking tree species. <laughs> he literally takes the notice off of his face and goes, mm, a party. <laughs> but then he doesn't go to the party, does he? I don't know how this he could. Only, He's that's a- the only thing he can't. He has boots on the ground. He can't go. Mm, a party. <laughs> Somebody, please, please. This is so important. We need to identify this tree. This is a tree that got like at least a three paragraph article on Wikipedia. And that was his only line. Oh, a party. I didn't see any red tongue in that either. No. Where is this coming from? <laughs> They're just like making crap up. It's pretty cool. A party. <laughs> so those are some of the sentient plants of the Star Wars galaxy. I like them. I like how there's like a great variety. You know, there's everything from mushroom bacon to a party. A party. To like belly chain perverts and just yeah. everything in between. Cool, Again, man. Star Wars is one of those everything in the kitchen sink settings. So it's oh, got yeah. it all. Yeah, I like it. I like it. It's like less cohesive than yeah. talking to but I, it is so multifarious. I admire I admire the the depth and and sophistication of an ent. Personally speaking, compared to these guys. But. I admire the weirdness of what you just laid before me. If I were put a if I put like an invitation to a party in your head and you go, Oh, a party No, I'd oh. knock your block off. <laughs> oh yikes.
Not because you put something on my head, but because I don't like parties. <laughs> <laughs> don't you talk about a party in front of me. This unidentified pink-haired woman species was known to knock people out for putting things on her face. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what my Wikipedia... And she yeah. had a red tongue. <laughs> <laughs> red tongue with white teeth. I think they're just, like, assuming it must have had a red tongue because it spoke the words a party. Facilitating the facility of speech. I... See, I noticed that and I was going to call you out on it, but then I thought maybe it was your mistake. Nope. Facilitating the facility of speech. Excellent A-plus writing. Whoever wrote this article. Needs no edits. Print it. Perfect. Done. All right, Joanna. Uh, it's on to our final segment of our episode, as always. The worst, the worst, the worst, the worst, the worst name challenge. Yes. Uh, so, Jert, you lasted three good weeks. You put up a good fight. We're really proud of you, Jert. We're proud of your performance. You didn't make it through the home stretch, but two rounds ain't bad. Honestly, though, dude. like, it was really close. And so I feel... Jert needs to be rising to the rafters, as has foretold, to go with all the bad names that have gone before him, rise himself up among that constellation of terrible name stars that we love so much. Away you go, Jert. Away you Godspeed. go, Godspeed. See, right. see you at the crossroads, homie. Pour one out for him. See you when you get there. Now, because Jert did not win his final round, Darth Millennial... Remains. He will be moving on to the next round. He will continue to destroy industries left and right until someone can stop him. Who will stop him, Joanna? We gotta stop him before he destroys the mayonnaise industry. He's if already he takes out the there. mayonnaise industry, what's even the point? All that avocado toast has gotta pay for, you know, money's gotta go somewhere. Alright, so, I see your Darth Millennial and raise you one chicka-chub. Chicka-chub, chicka-chub. Chicka-chub, chicka-chicka. Chicka-chub, who's chicka day bow bow <laughs> Chicka Chub. Chicka Chub is the wife of Bingo Baggins and the mother of Falco Chub Baggins. Falco Chub Baggins. Falco Chub Baggins, which is like also another name that, you know, maybe I should have saved for another round, but we're gonna go with his mom, Chicka Chub. The last name Chub is just a bad name. I mean, yeah, it's yeah, I can't defend it. There's nothing I can say. So, cast your vote, Darth Millennial or Day bow bow. Cast your day bow bow. Take it. Cast your day bow down now on, on fa- Facebook or Twitter. Uh, you can just search "What's Lightsabers Precious." We will come up. You, you can also email us at "What's Lightsabers Precious" at gmail.com or visit us at our at our home on the web. Don't even bother ringing the doorbell. Just come on in. www.whatslightsabersprecious.com. www.angelfire/slash uh, Geocities. Geocities slash Max Pages. Max Pages <laughs> dot homestead slash uh, Index underscore two slash search, search for us Homestar uh, Runner. You can find us with the Lycos search engine or through Netscape Navigator. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. Yeah. Excite works as well. Ask Jeeves might take us there. I don't know. Can you rate us up on Apple Podcasts or on SoundCloud? In fact, we wish you would. Please do. I keep offering it. No one's doing it. But I keep getting emails. I keep thinking about new emails. I'm like, oh, I'm so excited. I got a new email in our box. It's from your your freaking Japanese blog. Oh, yeah? Your freaking Japanese blog used our freaking, freaking Gmail for our freaking podcast. What are you getting emails about because nobody has commented on it? No, it's all just like, thank you for joining WordPress or whatever. Like, it's all just that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, you can probably... You saw the monetize your (laughs) site. Use your own freaking email, Joanna. I can't because I already made a different blog with my own email. Whose fault is that? Sounds like a personal problem. Anyway, we'll take this off the air. See you around, Hotwogs! See you around, Ebits! Bye! A party!